Cheerscast is part of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. It's one of the most powerful visual statements of melancholy I've ever seen. And Sam will appreciate that it's atrobilious yet not a bit lugubrious. If you think Sam is going to love this painting, you're crazier than I'm accused of being. Go ahead and show it to him. Bye. Well, you're not coming to the bar to show it to everyone? No. But say hi to all the gang to me. <laughs> Besides, I think you should be alone with Mortimer tomorrow. Don't call him that. And why should I be alone with him? Because it's the last time you'll ever see him. Making your way in the world today takes everything you've got. Taking a break from all your worries sure would help a lot. Wouldn't you like to get away? Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name. And they're always glad you came. Everybody knows your name You wanna go where people know People are all the same You wanna go where everybody knows your name Hello and welcome back to Cheerscast, the podcast where everybody knows your name. I'm Ryan Daly and this is the season two finale. I'll be seeing you part two. And joining me once again to discuss this episode are the same guys from the last episode. First up, from Jeff and Rick Presents, unpacking the power of Power Pack, it is Rick Heineken. Hello, Rick. Hi, how you doing? It's just like we weren't talking a few minutes ago. It's, it's, well, I, I consider it to be one whole week afterwards. I mean, that's enough time for me to go out and to get a second beer. This time I'm drinking Matchless Brewing's The Window. And I thought that that was appropriate considering the final shot of the show. Mm, interesting, interesting. Uh, and second, Fire and Water All-Star, who hosts Zero Hour Strikes and Ohapu or Not, Siskoid. What's up, Siskoid? Uh, I am clean and sober. <laughs> Just, I was going to say, you're drinking like tea or water or anything? Nothing at all. I don't want to get up in the night and uh, have to go to the bathroom. So <laughs> my strategy is to dry out. Six hours before midnight. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I had the same. I employed the same strategy for my son, but that's because we're trying potty training. But you know, <laughs> I'm not. I'm not trying to presume anything about your life, Siskoid. But you know. <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> As I said, this is season two, episode twenty-two. I'll be seeing you, part two. It's a lot of rhymes, and a lot of twos. Written by Glenn and Les Charles, the brothers who created the show. Directed by James Burroughs, the not-brother who also created the show. The original air date was Thursday, May 10th, 1984. Diane has been going behind Sam's back, meeting with the artist Philip Semenko, played again by Christopher Lloyd, to paint her portrait. Semenko gets frustrated that he cannot complete the painting, but it's not because his talent has run dry, as he claims at first, but rather because Diane seems to have lost the anguish she possessed when he first met her. Semenko gets Diane to talk about Sam and how troubling their relationship is, and the suffering he once saw in her eyes returns. He finishes the portrait, but tells her she shouldn't share it with Sam. If she does, it'll be the last time she ever sees him. Diane returns to Cheers when everyone but Sam and Carla is away at a picnic. She gives Carla a gift for covering for her when she's been late for work the past week. But Carla is unable to physically say the words thank you until Diane lets her go to the picnic. When Sam comes in, Diane wants to show him the painting, but Sam flies into a rage when he realizes she was posing for Semenko after Sam forbade it. Diane refuses to show him the painting until he has calmed down, not wanting his anger to spoil his appreciation for the work. Eventually, Sam agrees, but Diane's comment that he has made so much progress since they started dating sets him off again. 
Realizing they're heading for another one of their countless fights, Diane feels exhausted and starts to leave. Sam doesn't want her to retreat, though. He wants to fight and harasses her until she fights back. Diane slaps him, and he slaps her back. Then they slap each other again and again, and then grab each other's noses and twist until they're both nearly on the floor in pain. Once they separate, Sam tries to laugh it off and reconcile like they always do after a fight, but she rejects him for slapping her. He says he wanted to hit her even harder, but held back. She tells him she's leaving, and he tells her to never come back. Diane stops and gives him one last chance to avoid breaking up, but he passes, merely telling her goodbye. Diane leaves. A few seconds later, Sam runs to the door to catch her, but stops himself and turns around. With his back to the door, he doesn't see Diane come back down the stairs, but she too stops short of the door and turns around to leave, presumably forever. Now alone, Sam grabs the portrait of Diane and finally takes a look at it. Visibly stunned by the work, all he can say is, wow. Alrighty. Cisco Hang on, I gotta, get, I, gotta, I gotta get my tissue. <laughs> Alright, Cisco, what did you think? Well, uh, this is more of the drama that uh, <laughs> from the, the first part. Uh, you, but, said the, you, know, you said the previous episode was too heavy for you. So. <laughs> uh, well, heavy, heavy in the context of a sitcom with a – it's not a laugh track, but you know what I mean, with a, a live studio audience. I, I feel like it's not that when it happens, it's not that it's not good. It's that maybe the season has been a bit heavy on that. Right. Mm-hmm. So there's been a lot of these episodes. So I feel like is this show now more of a dramedy uh, and because of this storyline? Uh, in this case, I think the, the, the dramatic moments hit very hard. Uh, and then the, the comedy does, you know, I don't, I don't think the comedy works as well in the context of this one episode. So, uh, again, it's, it's really loaded with drama. You know, if I critique it as a drama, I, I think the actors do a great job. If I critique it as a comedy, I think the, the laughs are few and far between. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think, I mean, I, I have to say that is just a deliberate choice. They are sacrificing the comedy because mm-hmm. the story that they're choosing to tell, this moment, there is nothing really funny about it. it it's just, it's the most serious and dramatic thing. It also feels kind of inevitable. It's like the whole thing of, like, in the first season, building up, will they or won't they get together? It's like, well, you wanted to see them together. How did you think it was going to end? <laughs> it's like, these two people are not meant for each other, or, or you wouldn't think so. Like, their their relationship is not based on shared interests. It's not based on a past, of like, growing up together or being friends first. They have nothing really in common. Their relationship is based on just a heated passion, a physical and emotional passion for each other that burns extremely hot. But that means when they fight and when there's nothing else to hold them together, that that same heat, that same passion is going to erupt into kind of violence. That's what we see here. I mean, it's it's hard to watch their fight at at some points during this episode because they're throwing hands. And it's like, seriously, Rick, what did you think of this episode? I thought this was a very dangerous episode. It definitely has some funny part. It's got some heavy drama parts. And it also has some parts that, especially in a more mature and recognizing world, there are parts about this that are played for laughs that are very dangerous. Um, and it's one part of the feeling I got done with watching it. And then when I rewatched it a second time, I took a step back and just tried to really enjoy and and. and enjoy the entire thing, especially kind of putting myself back in the time frame itself. I think you're right that it was inevitable. I don't think that this could ever be thought of as a dramedy. I think it definitely has serious tones with it, but uh, it, it first and foremost is a comedy and they still try to play a lot of the drama parts for laughs while at the same time showing that these are two characters that are very deep that have serious problems and have serious problems being together, even though, I think that they do love each other and care about each other very much. Since we're going to spend a lot of time just talking about sort of like the, the big set pieces, there there are a few things early on that I kind of wanted to get through. The teaser this time around, we have Carla 
is offered a ride home by this guy. Uh, she's um, and she starts kind of describing, you know, as if she's blowing him up. She starts kind of describing how the guy will manipulate her into going inside, and they'll start dancing and eventually kissing and everything. When he protests, when the guy's like, "No, no, I'm not trying to do anything," she's like, "Hey, hey, stop, stop! You haven't heard all, the whole thing." And he <laughs> realizes she's not saying this as a way of blowing him off. She's actually describing this is what you need to do in order to score with me and everything like that. And she's basically just. It's a seduction. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Here is the combination to unlock me. (laughs) We know she gets a lot of play, so this is uh, this is an interesting look at how she does it. But it's also, you know, last week I was saying how there is a uh, whenever they do a a little isolated bit, it tends to be thematically consistent with the rest of the episode. This isn't even the bit I was talking about, Uh, but this bit also. I mean, the theme of this is inevitability. Setting things into motion <laughs> mm-hmm. that, you know, like that guy's going to take her home. It was just going to be a ride. And then I was going to be a ride. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, <laughs> in the same way that we're on a roller coaster that is with Sam and Diane that is going down yeah. and inevitably will crash, you know. So that theme is still there. Mm-hmm. You can almost think the relationship that Carla has with this no name is much more healthy than the relationship between <laughs> Sam honest. and Diane. It's honest. <laughs> it's very honest. <clears throat> Here's what I want tonight. Here's what you're going to get tonight. And you better never mention it again unless I want you to. I mean, at this point in her life, Carla knows what she wants, and she's not going to play games. I mean, no. she's, she's got five kids at this point. No. Um, yeah, and then after the credits, we get the basically the previously on, and, and we get Coach narrating it. And I like it because it's sort of illustrated. We get the the the, the simple like screenshots of moments from the previous episode dealing with Semenko coming in and how he angers Sam, and then Diane coming in and how he's attracted to her. And Coach is describing it, and he starts kind of like doodling on this as if he's he's drawing something on a note, like as he's describing them going behind each other's back. He says he's like this is describe this is reminding me of our old double steal from my baseball days, and he starts like re- rearranging this kind of like diagramming this play that he would as a coach and then he's like no wait 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 wait. these are more like the directions to my daughter's house and he starts kind of like going through this and, and the whole thing i just love that it, it ends up culminating with him saying he's like you know what i gotta tell you i'm like after he he sets up like the, this cliffhanger that diana is going behind sam's back he's like i'm really worried you guys i don't remember where my daughter lives <laughs> i love this i want more previously on shows to do this kind of a thing because this was great i mean it's like the last episode was really really dark and depressing but here's a funny way we're going to tell what's going on and you're still going to get it and we're still going to have fun and really i it's like can anybody else do it besides coach it's beautiful And you got the coaching idea where, you know, where you're drawing diagrams and mm-hmm. and plays. Uh, but it also ties in with a joke that we didn't even mention last week, but that did happen in the per- previous episode where Coach says, well, I've, I've got artistic skills. I can do <laughs> yeah. the portrait. Yes. Yeah. And he, on a napkin, he draws Norm, and it's terrible. And then he realizes, oh, no, wait, my brother has all the talent. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's not my talent. Uh, so here he is drawing. I can eat, I can eat anything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Great talent. No, it is it is an ingenious way of, of basically doing the expositionary work of uh, of you know re- revealing what happened in the last episode, but also filtering it through the most consistently funny character on your cast, who you're also going to just like reveal new depths to his character and new you know shades of coach in doing this. Um, I wish it had a laugh track. You know, it's just yeah. like that part where it's a little like he's pausing, but there's no laughs. And it's, oh, it's it's a little odd uh, in the format of the show. Uh, obviously, it makes sense because they're not doing the recap live. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I kind of wish that they'd, they'd shown this or maybe they had the idea only later. Yeah. Well, obviously, they don't have the frames, you know, with the oh, drawing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Until later. Um, okay. And then uh, a few other things to hit before we get to uh, the Semenko and Diane scene. We find out that Norm has gone back to the hungry heifer, and despite how much he hated it the first time, he says he was lured in by their surf and turf special. Oh. And and Cliff is like, oh yeah, you know, steak and lobster. And Norm goes, no, it's a tuna fish sandwich with beef gravy. <laughs> Cliff's reaction, the look on Cliff's face when he hears that, it was like very nearly one of my high points. One of my my home runs, just like, oh man, he's just like, whoa, oh god, that. Like, <laughs> 
so unappetizing. Like, oh. <laughs> the fact that that would be a surf and turf special, and the fact that Norm would have eaten it. Oh yeah, of course. And he spent money on that. Yeah, of course. Oh, yeah. It probably cost a lot. But the, the the whole hungry heifer thing, here's my thematic relationship with the rest of the episode. Uh, this is the one I promised. Yeah. <laughs> it's that Norm goes to this awful restaurant. He knows he's going to get awful food and awful service, and he keeps going there anyway. And he keeps mm-hmm. he keeps eating it, mm-hmm. which is exactly the Sam and Diane relationship at this point. Yep. 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 It's terrible, and yet they, they stay in it. Yeah, and yeah. they have a fight, and then they still, well, let's get back together. And they repeat it, and they repeat it, and they repeat it until, you know, I, I think Norm will eat there forever. Yeah. Uh, but they certainly can't eat at that buffet right. for, for no. long. Yeah. No. And then we get this little bit with Cliff. They, they're kind of, they, it, it's weird that they would actually think about uh, Sam throwing this artist, and they would, like, that he would still be on the mind of the guys in the bar if they didn't know that that's where Diane was that she was sneaking out which kind of tells me that Carla wasn't the only one who knew what Diane was doing and why she was late every day I kind of wonder if the other guys knew that because it's kind of weird that they would think even think about him and and recall that but they kind of mentioned Semenko and then Cliff kind of goes on this little thing where he starts like sharing this idea that to him all artists are homosexuals Mm-hmm. And, you know, Cliff or Norm tries to say something. He's like, you think anybody who's not, you know, normal is gay or something. He's like, well, I've given you the benefit of the doubt. They try to pull it off. I, I didn't like this moment. It's not just because the kind of dismissive way in which it's characterizing gays, but I felt like this scene did more than that was that it actually missed an obvious joke. Like they, they set something up and then didn't pay it off. Which was Cliff, in order to illustrate his point, Cliff mentions how he wants to show them this coffee table book that he has in his house. Mm-hmm. It's full of these nude male sculptures. And he's like, now you, st- <laughs> you spent some hours looking at them and tell me that you don't think the guys who sculpted these were gay. And like, the obvious joke is if, if he's so quick to point out that they're gay, he's like, why does he have this book that apparently he spends a lot of time looking at? And they don't make that joke. So I felt like they kind of missed that opportunity. And it, it seemed like the audience wasn't really buying into the joke either, which mm-hmm. was interesting because of, you know, the time that it was filmed mm-hmm. and that, that was kind of easy laugh back then. And the audience was like, eh, we aren't playing in this game. Yeah. So it, yeah. it just, it, that entire bit just did not work for me at all either. As it turns out, um, Semenko is more pansexual if we believe his <laughs> stories. <laughs> yes, <so>. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy. Um, we have the <laughs> coach's picnic too. Oh yeah, yeah. The coach picnic that we get, we get to that. Um, that he he finally he guilts the guys into signing up for his picnic by by playing what he calls like the old pathetic the pathetic old man bit or whatever, which he he kind of comes to as an act just to guilt them into doing it. Um, which I thought was a great payoff from the, from what started last episode. It's the only reason that cold open from last episode worked for me is how it paid off. Now it was kind of a long con game almost. And it's it's going to be used with. I mean, it's in the context of that picnic. Now the bar is going to be empty at the time that we need it to be empty because – so there is a plot function to it. Yes. Getting back to the pansexual nature of Semenko that (laughs) – once we finally get to them, I just – I've got to go through this scene and the dialogue. Like he's so frustrated and he's like, let's make love. And he tells Diana, he's like, let's go make love or something. Or or let's let's go to bed. No, he says, let's go to bed. Let's go to bed. Yeah. Let's go to bed. (laughs) You want to – Make love? No, I always take a nap with a blonde in the afternoon. (laughs) Philip, I don't know what to say. I thought we had a professional relationship. Okay, afterwards you can pay me. (laughs) I make love to everything I paint. Your most famous painting is of the Harvard-Yale football game. (laughs) Yes, I spent three months in jail. College types don't understand me. I do, however, still get a few Christmas cards. And he gets this far off look in his eyes as he's thinking about it and remembering it. And it's just like he's just longing for those wonderful days. (laughs) It's like that was such an important time in his life. I love, yeah, just the way he bounces from those three different, he's like, yes, I spent three months in jail. College types don't understand me. And then, but yeah, he's like, but I still get a few Christmas cards. So, what did you what did you guys think of the, the scene with uh, Diana Semenko in his apartment? Or, no, it's actually in her apartment, actually. In her, yeah, it's he, in hers. He comes to hers, yeah. It's I, a standing set, so. Yeah. 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 
I really liked it. I mean, it starts off the scene being very, very funny. Mm. And then we have probably one of the most important bits and kind of the capstone for the entire relationship between, or from Diane's perspective of the relationship between Diane and Sam. And that's when she's staring at the mirror and she has this long monologue about how she is hurt and how she keeps going back to it. And it's, it's almost this monologue of somebody who's an abuse victim and it, and it's, and it's very powerful and it's not played for laughs at all. It, it serves a function as to give, give Slamenko his muse back, but it, it really is her just laying her soul bare and saying, I am in a bad relationship and I am, I'm done with it. I can't do this anymore. No, she's That's, very, very close. Yeah. At that I mean, point. It's, and it's, it's not much. I mean, really, she goes in there ready to end it. She goes in there a different person when she starts off. It's that Sam pulls her back into the old relationship. But this is this is the point where she's, without saying the words, she's ended the relationship right here. Mm-hmm. And, and we're used to the artist being, uh, like the cliched artist, being tormented, mm-hmm. you know, like a tormented soul. But this guy is a torment vampire. He needs, mm-hmm. he needs a subject to be tormented yes. uh, and to feel anguish. And it's her anguish that he paints. Uh, sort of thing. So, I mean, he's. She, I mean, if if she's in a toxic and an abusive relationship uh, to a point with Sam, she's also in an abusive relationship with this guy. Uh, he's because he's forcing her to, to to feel badly so that his art can live. Well, uh, I I kind of disagree a little bit on that because when he first saw her, she was already in that state. It's just that. As he was painting her more and more, she became happier and happier because it was something she wanted. He he wanted to get his muse back. He didn't know what was missing. She, I think she was the one that brought herself back to that point. Mm, okay, yeah. I think, I mean, I'm, I'm sort of in between. I think he wants honesty from everybody. Mm-hmm. I mean, just as an honest, like that, that helps his subject matter. I think the fact that her pain is the emotion that he's, he's attracted to is like real. So, I mean, he's just... He that that is what he's working. On. It, it's mm-hmm. beneficial to him as the artist. I don't know if he. I mean, well, I mean, he he does bring the conversation back to Sam. I mean, I think he knows that thinking about Sam is going to make her upset, and that's what he needs as the creator. So I do. I kind of get. I I I I'm a little bit on Cisco's side there. I don't think it's necessarily that he wants to hurt her for his own. Gain. I think it's much more of like he wants her to be honest with herself. Yeah. And in the meantime, he's just going to like he'll he'll, he'll paint that. He'll reflect that because that's the nature of, of the art as he sees it, as he would reflect it. It has to be emotionally and, honest. And he was and he was still honest with her at the end of it, saying, "Don't show it to him. Mm-hmm. If you show it to him, that's it." Yeah. It's and that's and that's what he was wrong about, as as we'll see. But uh, do you guys understand the uh, Mortimer reference? No, that he keeps calling Sam Mortimer and she says, "Don't call him that." And uh, you know, she doesn't the, like the, it. The Bullwinkle—that's you know, Rocky and Bullwinkle. I thought he's yeah. a dumb moose, but the Mortimer—I didn't know that one. Listeners, yeah. feedback. <laughs> Let us know. There you go. There you go. What is uh, the Mortimer pop culture reference that would make sense in this context? But um, did you let? No. Do we talk about the painting now, or should we talk about Let's, it later? Because well, uh, we yeah, see it, we yeah, see it now. Yeah, yes. And uh, there are two paintings in this episode, actually. Oh, um, yeah, that's true. There's, <laughs> there's the painting that Semenko does of Diane, and we'll, and we'll come back to that. But I want to deviate just for a second and talk. Sam comes back to the bar with a painting oh, that he hang did. On. Act- hang on, hang on. I did a little bit of a search. Okay. I came up with Mortimer Mouse. He's a rival of Mickey Mouse's, and he's portrayed as arrogant, lecherous, yet a charismatic shyster. Okay. Your Google foo is strong. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, listeners, stand down. We got it. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so, yeah, there, there's... Guy watches a lot of cartoons. <laughs> the, other, the other painting is... Uh, a painting that Sam actually gets commissioned for Diane, and he kind of brings it back to the bar, and he explains that he found this ad like in the TV guide or something, but like at a mall or something, and he brings a photo of her, and the guy is able to like turn it into a painting, and he shows them this picture of Shelley Long, and oh my oh. god, 
Like, I, no, here, here's the thing. I want to turn that painting into a t-shirt. Like, that is my goal. <laughs> Before this podcast is over, I want to get a big picture of that painting, blow it up, and have it printed on a t-shirt that I will wear to, like, conventions and stuff like that and see if anybody recognizes it. I love uh. that picture so damn much. It is atrocious. Like, if I ever met Shelley Long, I want to be wearing that shirt. It might even be on black velvet. It might. Oh, God, yes. Because <laughs> the background, you know, it's like one of those velvet paintings from the 70s. It's it's a glamour shot with this <laughs> cheesy smile, red cheeks. You've got this star in the background. It It is just all kinds does, of Does awful. not look like her. Yeah. Yeah. No, the it, it's amazing. Are, yeah. Yeah. It's amazing that they can make something look so bad and it's not even kitschy good. <laughs> no, the colors, they're, like, so weird and askew. Like, no, yeah, you would think if you turn on a black light, like, certain parts of it would light up. Like, it was just, oh, oh, God. It's, and, and, and the is, bars is so embarrassed. The bars reaction, yeah. the bar's reaction yeah. is fantastic. Carla's comment, um, even I think that's tacky. <laughs> <laughs> she oh, knows I, her brand. <laughs> I, I remember actually there was a good line in the previous episode when when uh, Diane or when Carlo was like you have to whoever like whoever does it it has to be a bad artist and he's like why a bad artist he's like well you don't want it to look like her do you <laughs> so. <laughs> all right anyway then we get to Semenko's painting of Diane in this episode and and Siskoid I get the feeling that we're on the same wavelength here are we I what's th- your wave what, what's your wavelength <laughs> I think it's a mistake that they show the painting in this mm-hmm, episode okay. What yeah. Do you think? yeah, I agree, but at the same time, I think it, I think it works. I think the painting does work. Uh, my first thought of it was like, oh, that's kind of, eh, I don't know. But then as the more of the episode went on, and especially you see Sam's reaction at the end, I think by the end of the episode, it kind of works. I think, and on my se- and on my second viewing, I enjoyed the painting more. <laughs> I think the danger is that if you don't show it. The danger yeah. is that people will think it is uh, photo perfect, which it isn't. It's about it's about an emotion. It's yeah. about a feeling. And uh, I mean, if you're somewhat of an art connoisseur, you might say, well, uh, you know, Somenko is a little bit old school because he's he's stuck in modernism. It's, you know, there's something about the modernists in that uh, painting in a way that would not be current in 1980s uh, sure. art, but. Um, you know, but it doesn't look like her. No. It's not photo perfect. He's not he's not drawing he's drawing the soul, right? He's right. He's, he's painting he's the, the soul. Drawing the emotion. The emotion. So seeing it, then we we get the idea that okay, it's this kind of art. It is not what Sam would expect or want. Um, but it is something that she would appreciate. So um if we don't show it, then maybe we're not we're not making those connections. But I agree with Ryan at the same time that keeping a mystery we we have enough of what Somenko is supposed to be doing to know that it's not going to be uh, photoreal. So, yeah, not, not showing it could have been better. It, it, but it's also, I think, a, a legitimate piece of art. Sometimes yeah. you show something and it's like, oh, you shouldn't have shown that because it, it does not, uh, you know, it, it doesn't. The hype is, you know, what we've been told is not true or it's not professional enough. For us to believe that was it was made by this genius, mm-hmm. so I, I I wonder if it would have been better if they kept the reveal until the very end and we saw at the same time Sam was seeing it was seeing it. I wonder if that would have had been a better it in reaction. Mm-hmm. I just my feeling has always been that I think it's it's one of those things. It's much more powerful if it exists in the mind. Mm-hmm. And I think once we see it, once we know what it looks like as a piece of art, we have to start analyzing it the way we do mm-hmm. any other piece of art. And if our emotions, if our impressions of the work don't meet how the characters are feeling, I think that can kind of be dangerous because so much of this, like so much of our emotional catharsis on this it hinges on the way diane feels about this and the way sam feels about it at the end when he sees it when he has that moment and when sam looks at it and he says that wow it's like well i didn't feel that the first time i saw the painting i was like okay it's good but i i, I mean just, i didn't have that emotional connection and mm-hmm. it it kind of created this little distance that i it was harder for me to get to where sam was at that moment when he saw it and i think it's just because like if 
if I only had Sam's reaction, I feel like it would have been much more powerful. I think it it would have been more real. And we just it's it's one of those you know the the, the same way like uh, you know the the horror is always like scarier in mm-hmm. your mind. I kind of feel that way about you know in this case the the piece of art that yeah. it, the, the sublime the stake the stakes yeah. for this piece of art seem so huge that it almost it can't live up to that. So that's why I think it would have been better just seeing it at the end with Sam's reaction. Cause I think by that point in time, it was built up in your mind as to what this really means and where Sam, where, you know, cause we're at, we're with Sam kind of at that point or, you know, we're somewhere in between where Sam and Diane are at that point. And when he looks at it, that's where you feel the gut reaction. And I think you'd probably be along with, with their opinion of it at that time. So, Oh, Okay. Um, <laughs> to each his own. Yeah, we we need to re-edit it and then show it to someone who's never seen it <laughs> with the reveal only at the end, and then one without we, any reveals. I think we have the next to a hot moo uh, <laughs> thing here. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Oh no, no, that, the, um, there's some stuff in there. I know my girls, and there's some <laughs> stuff in there that's not gonna fly. No, <laughs> no, no. We're no. getting to it I, now. I, yeah, yeah we, we, we may have to do some heavy editing before um, that happens. It's like a five-minute episode. Yeah. It's, a, it's, it's just a picture of the painting. Look. <laughs> what do you think? A <laughs> uh, little, little bit of a note. Sam, Diane, and Carla are the only cast members in the second act. Um, yeah. Yeah, once we come back from the commercial, like in the bar, like we only get three those three cast members. Um, they're all the picnic. Yep, they're all the picnic that was set up before. Um, Carla gets the gift from Diane, but she cannot physically say the words thank you until Diane kind of tricks her into it by like, giving her the time off. And, <laughs> and Carla has to punish her tongue for saying those words. So she slams her tongue in the door. Ah, oh, Carla. Love it. <laughs> um, and then we get, we get the Sam and Diane of it all. Um, and I was kind of thinking, like, you know, she seems very happy when she's coming in. She's got this painting that she's very proud of. And it seems like this is something that is going to be saving their relationship, maybe, in her mind. But I also have to wonder, I mean, she did this whole thing behind his back. Mm-hmm. The last episode, you know, he went behind her back with the ma- with the magazine and everything, that interview. I mean, she knew how he felt about this guy and this situation and what she was doing. And whether he was right to tell her that she couldn't do it. Because uh, I would argue that he had no right to to deny what she was doing, but she knew how he felt. She cheated on him in a way, um, not romantically or sexually, but she was lying to him, deceiving him, and doing something that she knew would hurt him or piss him off. And she thinks the end justifies it. Um, so, was this whole thing like? I mean, was this a catalyst for for this inevitable fight? Did she could she have seen this coming? Because Semenko certainly sees it coming, and, and she's acting like she doesn't believe it, but was she just well, she, blind? She's such a Mary Contrary that if she went with the artist and did the painting to spite Sam, but then she showed the painting to Sam to spite the artist who told her that to show it. It's a little bit like she's often doing this. It's like you're, you're, you're going to tell me something. You're going to tell me to do something. She's very good at telling other people to do things a certain way, you know, uh-huh. or how to think. But when it comes to her, it's like, well, I, 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 I you know, there's a lot of pushback from her. So when Samenko says this is going to destroy your relationship, don't show it to him and he can't appreciate it. It's just it's just impetus to, to actually do it. So I, I think it's hard to gauge Diane in these moments because she both wants out of the relationship and into the relationship. And I kind of resent her for it in, at times when I think that it's like, okay, this is dead. This relationship is dead. And she sort of begs for it to still be alive. Mm-hmm. Don't go, you know, this is later, but it's still, um, you know, don't, don't cross that line. You're going to cross a line. You're going to regret it. I'm going to regret. We're all going to regret it. No, you're as an audience. We're going, you're not going to regret this. You should be out of this relationship, especially at the point where she's kind of begging for it and going back and forth. And she's very, very ambivalent in a way uh, as to whether she stays or goes. And it's going to be Sam who's going to stand his ground and, and say it. So it's really over. So I feel like she's stronger than that. I want her not. 
I, I want her to, to to be the one that takes that stand in a way. Um, but but showing the painting, I think it may be last chance uh, if he responds positively to this and Slomenko is wrong, then we have a shot. And uh, it, it, we never ever even get that she's she's defeated way before he needs to open the the painting. I think Diane comes across as that fairy princess. She wants to have the night come sweep her off her feet. She wants the happily ever after. She wants to be with the handsome dashing guy, but at the same time, she also wants to be a strong feminist mm-hmm. and. I don't think she was ever wrong for saying, you know, this is what I want. I'm going to go and get this painting done. You can't tell me I can't. I'm a grown woman. I can do what I want to do. Kind of like what Sam did at the beginning. He didn't tell Diane that he was going to go to this interview because he didn't want to go for the fight. She did the same thing here. She didn't want to have the fight with Sam on this. She's like, I'll just pretend that I said, yeah, you know, I'm not going to do it. And she does it anyways. But I think she still has that fantasy in her mind that, you know, I I can show this to Sam and this is going to change everything. He's going to see that it was right. Yeah, this is the last chance. And I think it's, it's again, her need to be right and and her need to control him. We we teased this a little bit in the last Mm -hmm. episode because she basically beats him down at this. It's like he, he wants to see the painting and kind of get it over with so he can be mad and he can scream and mm-hmm. he can call it ugly and stupid art because he doesn't get it. And, and she's like, no, you're not gonna, you're not gonna view it under these terms. And she finally gets him to kind of calm down and accept it. He's like, okay, we're not gonna look at it now. And she gets him to wait. And, and he's kind of defeated and he's cowed and everything like that. And then she has to take it. She has to justify it. She's like, "You've made such good stri- like strides with your appreciation." She's like, "She's like, you, you know, just you just have to trust me. I know what's best for you." And mm-hmm. that that is what flips him over. And that is when he's just like, you know, you're talking about you're acting. You sound like you're talking about what is it, a chimp or something like that. Mm-hmm. And. And just like the, the the controlling nature, and that he has to sort of keep improving his life in order to meet her her standards, and that's why at the end when he's kind of when he's he's losing it, she's just like, I, I can't do this. I don't have the energy for this fight anymore. She wants to leave, and he's like, No, no, I want to actually have the fight. He's like, He's like, you you did this. He's like, If you're gonna like, we're actually gonna do this. And mm-hmm. he, it, I mean, the, the, he can't match her wits, so he basically has to stick his tongue out and make crude, <laughs> like sophomore gestures until she actually snaps at him. Would you stop that? And yeah, he's so the... proud. He's so proud that he won that too. <laughs> that's that's the part of it that where they play it for laughs. Yeah, you know, like grabbing noses and mm-hmm. uh, and fighting like little kids. Yeah. This is the way that they're sort of letting us down, you know, letting us off the hook for being in a comedy. And but then there's, you know, there's there's just some physical violence going on. And this uh, is, in the, this in those is where it gets dangerous. And this is yeah. where it gets dangerous. Yeah. Um, so let's let's get to that part because there are some slaps. Mm-hmm. She slaps him. He slaps her back. We get physical abuse from both sides in this one. Um and it definitely feels more jarring and abrupt when it comes from him because he's the man. He's larger, yes. he's stronger, he can physically dominate her. There are some stigmas against that, but I, I, I think it's a little bit, a little bit softened by the fact that she does it first. And, yes. then, like, and then she's the first one to grab his nose and start yanking and everything. As he is saying, mm-hmm. you always have to get the last one in. Like he's he's pointing, he's like she can't like just like stop this. But he kind of threatens her first. He's like, you know, she's mm-hmm. like, when she says, "Do you know the difference between you and a fat braying ass?" And she's nope. like, "Nope." He's like, "Well, the fat braying ass would." And he's like, <laughs> "Speaking of fat braying asses, you're about to get knocked on yours or, or dumped on yours or something like that." Which threat? Yep. And, yeah. And then the slap, uh, yeah. so yeah. As we were talking about this, I, I remembered uh, back in high school, I was in our theater class. I was in theater in high school, and I performed in the shadow box on my senior year. And I had I was kind of in the main part of the story, and I had a scene where my character was drunk, and I'm going off against this other female character who has shown up just to party with my boyfriend. And her and I get this fight and we were nose to nose and she says something to me and I slap her. And because we were 
just like Sam and Diane, we had to do a real slap. You know, so I slapped her once, and then she just kind of did this ongoing windmill slaps on me. And thinking back to it, it's like, yeah, it's very shocking to slap. But then at the end, I was the one getting most of the slaps. <laughs> I was the one who had welts going down my 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 cheeks by the end of the performances. Mm-hmm. But it's it's one of those things of it, it, that was a drama, and it was very you know very high stakes, and you know it's like you know this is very serious. This is a comedy, and this is where it's it's really hard to look at and say yes, but there's laughs and oh she did it first, and they're just kind of you know it's kid kind of thing. Nowadays, cops are getting called. Both people are going to jail for this. <laughs> I mean, this is serious stuff. And there are threats that they had. You know, he says, I'm about to throw you on your ass. I am about to uh, – I wish I hit you harder. Mm-hmm. I think that's that's this, the one that, that crosses the line for me. Yeah. 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 It, it's, it's, it is very serious stuff. And it's one of these things that it's hard to look at going forward in a more modern society. You wouldn't. I don't know if you'd really see this done today. Yeah, the, I think where it kind of feels a little bit off um, is after they kind of let go of each other when they're holding each other's nose and they let go. And Sam is kind of the first. One, he kind of like laughs it off and then thinks mm-hmm. that well, they have sunk as low as they can go, so fight over. Like there, there's nothing else to because everything's like, okay. Yeah, he kind of like invites her back. They they can hug it out and like kiss and everything. And mm-hmm. That'll be fine. And she's like, no. She's like, you you hit me. And he says, not that hard. And she's like, what the hell does that mean? And that's yeah. When he mm-hmm. because when he says not as hard as I wanted to, then it's like he's not he's not back anymore. Like then then right. you get the the real menace. And it's like, oh wait a minute. Okay, if. If we're not going to hug this out, then he's back to that really angry stage. So I just kind of felt like yeah. the emotional shift there between them was a little – for him was a little bit abrupt. Um, yeah, that, I mean it's – we. <sighs> They don't look good in the scene. I mean, no. as as actors, uh, as drama and comedy, it is terrific. It is it's it's powerful to watch. But as characters, you're like, yeah, this is. I mean, <laughs> it's it's not marriage story level, but it's also you know what? Gosh, this is this is really. Oh god, you're. I think it's in that area. Uh, you know, if you're going to compare it to Marriage Story, I think it is in that you know, in, in that area where. People are saying things that they will, they may regret later, but that they still mean. Yeah. You know, the, the truth is coming out, and I, I really like Diane in these moments where she is completely defeated. Uh, I think that's just before the fight. I don't think that's after. Mm-hmm. And it's like she doesn't need him to look at the painting anymore. It doesn't yeah. matter. And she stopped caring about this relationship. And then he draws her back in and then they have the fight. And then, you know, and then I like him in the moment where he says, it's over. Get out of here. Get out. Get out. Don't come back. And it's like he's calling her bluff because she's the one that came in here with the the the, the impulse to, to break it off. Now he's breaking it off. Now she regrets it. And yet this is what she came for in a way. And just and, his face, where he's he's so he's standing his ground and looking at right at her. There is no looking away. There is no doubt. It's get out. Yeah. And, and 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 you know I love these moments. Mm-hmm. He is angry. He is he is done. He is he's pissed. He's pissed off. He's like, all right, we've, we've you're saying we've crossed the line. We've crossed the line. Get out of my bar. Get out of my life. Yeah. Again, it, it was the thing that I said before. Their relationship is based on on passion and heat. Mm-hmm. That has to be what what kills their relationship too. They their relationship can't end with Diane just feeling spent and weary and drained, and her just saying like, "I just don't care. I, I I need to leave. I need to walk out." No, it can't end that way. It has to end with screaming and real kind of rancor and that get the hell out of here. Like that's got to be it. Because we've enjoyed laughing at Sam all season, or mm-hmm. even for the two past seasons in a way, uh, because he's he's the one jumping through hoops for this woman in many ways. You know, it's like it's he looks like he's the stand-up guy. He's going to the museums. He's uh, he's getting a an artist to paint a picture. All of this stuff is not things. These are not things, or even staying faithful to a woman for this long mm-hmm. are not things that he would have done normally. So. Mm-hmm. 
he is he has really forced himself to be a, a different person and that's that that you know that's the that's his drama that's the that his that's his conflict uh within himself and now it's just like i've i've jumped through all the hoops and it's still not enough and we're right. still fighting and it's still you know so sh- uh, you know, her, she's not necessarily as abu- as technically abusive in 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 those moments, but she's so controlling yeah. that you know that he can't be himself. So and, and, I think that's the the cutoff point for him. And I think you could almost say that her controlling is abusive behavior. Too. It, it totally is. I'm yeah. just saying it's it's more yeah. uh, it's more subtle. It's less recognizable as uh, because he's the one that's. That is, mis- you know, he's shown to be the one misbehaving, lying, yes. going behind her back, trying to, you know, trying to relive old glories and that are not conducive to a good relationship. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, if he were with a, a person who was very trusting, uh, who didn't make him feel like he had to go mm-hmm. behind her back, uh, then he would be misbehaving necessarily. So her controlling nature mm-hmm. is what brings out the worst in him, They're, they both bring out the worst in each yeah. other. So you know that's, and here we are at the end of, of the, the second season where it's all got to end. I think I I and, talked about this earlier in the season. Um, I don't remember who I was talking about it with, but it's it, there. There's this sense that you know, for her to be happy, you know, she likes a lot about Sam, but she needs him to change. Her the whole nature of their relationship is she is trying to change him mm-hmm. to be something that he just isn't naturally and for his part he does make a lot of changes he does do a lot of things as you said jumps through a lot of hoops and and contorts himself in a certain way for her but ultimately like he can't he can't change everything like at some point Mm -hmm. like he he's not that type of person so her expectations were just unrealistic and then then we're left with uh both of them making one last effort to go towards that door and say no 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 let's let's try again but neither of them can do it right and the timing is off like yeah yeah they're they're just and then and then that final moment with the painting that we've already talked about where uh slamenko is shown to be wrong in that one instance is that he does appreciate it well i don't hear that wow i mean it's maybe you want to be you want it to be ambiguous and and i don't disagree that it could be no, but, no, I, I think I think that the, the wow is gender. I think that Sam is he gets it now. But Slamenko was right. It was her going to show Sam, which ended it. He said, don't yeah. show Sam the picture. That's what he was talking about. Don't bring this picture to Sam because it's going to end you. If she had not brought it to Sam, if she had hidden it, kept it somewhere else, never told Sam about the entire thing, this would never have happened. But it's the act of her bringing the picture to Sam, which does it. The fact that he finally sees it, by the time he sees it, his state of mind is in the, is in the post-relationship. Mm-hmm. The relationship's over. Everything is ended. He has blown up. They, they have already cut it off. It's done. It's over. He knows, he knows there's no going back. And so he was right. You know, now he can look at it, and now it means something because now he can see it. And it's a small moment. But it's 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 reflective of how a relationship changes you because yes. pre Diane Sam would not have been able to appreciate art at all. But he's been to all these galleries, mm-hmm. and even though in this very episode he's shown to to have very poor taste with the TV Guide mm-hmm. uh, painting, um, he still he still can appreciate something in a way that he could not before because he's been changed by his time with Diane. So it's yeah. it's the nostalgic. Or really, really post, you know, immediately post relationship <laughs> nostalgia, uh, but he's been changed by this person, so yeah, he doesn't return to season one. Sam, no, I'm gonna give Sam a strong. Uh, I'm gonna give Sam credit for having a, a strong understanding of the the quality of this work in this scene because of things that happen in the future. Um, I think when he sees it. He doesn't just recognize the the artistic quality and the talent and the beauty that goes into this. I think he sees what Semenko saw, which yeah. is this horrible pain and unhappiness and misery that yeah. was in Diane all along. And I think Sam also realizes that he was the cause 
of that pain and that misery. And I yeah. think I, I'm, I'm willing to go that far in what Sam realizes because it will affect what we see of Sam in season three when we come back to him after the hiatus and where he is after they break up. And I, I think that partly informs um, – well, I mean, sort of retroactively, I think that informs my interpretation of what he saw in the painting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so not, wow, great painting. Wow, epiphany. Yes. You know, yes. Wow, yes. okay, yeah, now I get something mm-hmm. uh, about I, Diane, yeah. But I don't think that he would not have had this. Diane was right. He would not have had that if he saw the painting while they were fighting or if they were any time before the breakup. Right. If he if he saw that before they broke up, it would not have hit him because he would have he would have just he couldn't see through the red and the glasses. But because he's seen it in that time, he does have to have that epiphany. All right. <sighs> well, let's count some beers. <laughs> uh, I got two. <laughs> so did Norm, actually. Yeah, for Norm's oh. count of this episode. Uh, I mean, he's gone for half yet. We, we barely see him in this episode, but it, within that short amount of time. He had two beers, so uh, which takes him up to 192 for the series. Yeah, but uh, a whole keg at the picnic. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Uh, employee of the week. Who, Rick, who did you think was the MVP for this episode? Man, um, I was really leaning very hard towards Diana, or Diane, because I, the scene with her doing the monologue in the mirror is it's breathtaking. It's beautiful. But I, I cannot get by that final shot with Sam saying, whoa, that epiphany. That one moment spoke volumes of the entire two seasons for me. And I think I think that Sam did an amazing job with that. Cisco, what do you think? I agree. I was going back and forth between the two of them. Uh, this really is a two-hander. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I think the weakened her in some parts they made him more of a bastard in other parts and it's like oh well uh but end of the day he's the one that stays behind in the bar he's the one that has to carry off a lot of silent work uh in those moments and he's been a bit of a doofus uh you know throughout so seeing him do drama this strongly i think is is an, an extra in his column so um like i said went back and forth Sam in the end, but by a by a nose. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm right there with you. I mean, I had these two very close, um, almost interchangeable. Based, based every minute I could change. Right now, I'm with you guys. I'm leaning a little bit more towards Sam. Um, I think just in terms of range, he goes through a little bit more with this one. Um, and how, like, I mean, he, he has to go from sort of like the cockiness to just like the indignation at the way she treats him to when, even when he just does like the stupid, you know, putting his hand under his arm and like kind of doing like the flaps and like pulling like the fish hooks on his mouth and everything, like stupid stuff like that. And then getting into like the real drama and the kind of the menace and, and the final epiphany. It's, and also, again, he the the clincher is that he has my he has my home run in this one, um, uh, and I, I did want to also give a shout out to Semenko, who wasn't one of my employees of the week, but I thought he was funnier in this episode than he was in the last one, or he just had better oh, yeah. dialogue. But um, for home runs, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go first. It's actually it's not a comedic bit. Um, it's a dramatic one, and it, it was. I, I just thought it was really, really strong. It's it's right at the end when he's telling her to leave, and she calls him back, and Diane says, "If you don't stop me now, this is the last time you will ever see me." And it holds on Sam, and he thinks, and he takes this heavy breath while staring at her the entire time, and it's just him saying, like him, like letting her know. I'm not going to say the words you want. I'm. I, this is me just saying nothing so that you'll leave. And, and I just think that breath, that silence of just acknowledging that she's giving him the chance and he is willfully letting the chance go sailing right by him. Um, I thought that was the best moment of the episode. What did you guys think? Uh, Cisco, what was yours? Um, that is a very powerful moment, and the reason I gave him employee of the month, mm-hmm. <laughs> basically, mm-hmm. of the month or the week or whatever, wh- whatever time period you want to give it to. Um, 
for the rest of the summer <laughs> because they go on hiatus. Um, no, my uh, well, so I went for comedy. You actually named my home run, so I'm gonna go with um, with my runner up, basically, just to give it another one. But it is that very caustic. Uh, I know it's 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 funny, but it's it's uh, teeth clenched funny. The caustic bit about the brain ass, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, the brain ass bit, I thought was quite clever. And it's like it was like a, a time delayed joke where <laughs> she does it, and then there's a beat, and then the audience gets it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's my kind of humor, anyway. But um, if the if there is a runner up for me, it's the. Uh, uh, the fact that he mentions a, a brouhaha, he uses that word, it says brew your own haha, uh, and which is also a kind of double meaning because hey, we came here for laughs and for comedy. I'll brew your own haha. Uh, be, become, it becomes like a pun uh, in a yeah. way. So I, I thought that one was clever as well. Yeah. Rick, what did you think? Well, first of all, I have to applaud Cisco on the uh, the fat brained ass because that's another one of those key pieces from that 200th episode yes. uh, clip show that always stuck in my mm-hmm. head. I want to get away from it, but I can't. Just the ending shot of Sam opening the picture, that, like I said, the entire episode, I was kind of like, yeah, this is hard, this is rough, and that last scene hits, and it's it's just a gut punch. It's it's really good, and I think it really delivers everything that we've seen those last two seasons from the first time Sam saw Diane up until now. And you kind of see all that just go through Sam's head in that moment. The other, my runner up on that one was the beginning, the recap by coach. <laughs> I, I could not, mm-hmm. I, I could not stop laughing at that. I just, I loved how it was put together. It did miss something by not having a laugh track, but I thought that that was also clever because it's one of those rare occasions where you got to bring your own laughter to this, mm-hmm. recognize where it's funny and just laugh yourself. Cause it's funny Yeah, and it's, it's clever and well done. So those are the home runs I got. I, I had one other runner-up on the comedy angle, which was um, when Semenko is getting his art stuff together, and he's like he- heading for the door, and Diane is like, you're not going to go to the bar to show them your painting? And he says, no, <laughs> but say hi to the whole gang for me. And I thought it was almost kind of a, And it's the only time he smiled. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it was almost kind of like a metatextual thing, like kind of like commenting on the fact that we know that the Cheers gang is this tightly knit group that like are kind of like this gang that we kind of love and, and how tight they are. And he's kind of acknowledging that that is their relationship. And like, you know, almost as, oh yeah, we're all good friends from that one time. It's like, no, he, he, he disdains these people. He has that. But he's like, I don't care about them. I don't care. I'm never going back to that place. Why do I care what they think about my work? So I just like that. He's like, no, say hi to the whole gang for me. Yeah. Like that. Okay. Well, phew. Thank you very much, guys, for helping me cover this very emotionally wrought and, and draining season finale. Um, Siskoid, where else can people find you on the podcastosphere? Uh, well, I'm at the Fire and Water Podcast Network, same place you get your Cheers cast. You can get your Give Me That Star Trek, your Zero Hour Strikes, your Panel by Panel, your um, oh, whatever else I do. I've, <laughs> a lot more. We've mentioned a few already. So yeah. <laughs> um, Tuesday is Canada Day, as we call it. So that means I've got a, a podcast dropping that day there you go. every week. And Rick, what about you? Uh, well, me and my co-host Jeff, who strangely is also called Hungry Heifer, <laughs> we uh, <laughs> we do a podcast called Unpacking the Power of Power Pack, where we talk about Power Pack, a fantastic comic book from the 80s, and we also drink beer, so it's much like Cheers. All right. Uh, thank you again for being on the show, Listeners, thank you as always for tuning in, no matter how you do it. And hey, maybe now you are listening to us on Spotify because Cheerscast is available there. You know you can support the show by liking and sharing on Facebook and Twitter, and you can leave a comment on the website post, fireandwaterpodcast.com. You can also support the Fire and Water Podcast Network on Patreon. Special thanks to all of our patrons, especially Mike Gillis from Radio vs. the Martians, Tim Price, and our beloved Rick here from Jeff and Rick Presents, Unpacking the Power of the Power Pack. For more information on how you can support the network in general or this podcast in particular, visit patreon.com slash fwpodcasts. Thank you, everyone, for listening. I will be back in about two weeks with my listener feedback section for the second half of Season 2. And until then, we are closed. What happens if I hate it? I know you're going to love it.
because in the last six months you've come so far, made so much progress. You know, you sound like you're talking about a chimp. I just push the right buttons and out pops a banana. That's a ludicrous comparison. There isn't a chimp alive who could keep up with you. <laughs> you know, you always do this. I really hate it. You think you have to tell poor Sam what he should like, what he shouldn't like, how he should walk, how he should talk, what fork he should use with his soup and salad. I know, I know. You don't use a fork with soup. I just said you use a fork with soup. It was a mistake. Please, do not say you don't use a fork with soup. If you do nothing else for me the rest of your life, do not say you don't use a fork with soup. My God, Sam. I've made you a babbling idiot. Who are you calling a babbling idiot, huh? Don't get upset. I'm actually criticizing myself. You just call me a babbling idiot and you're criticizing yourself? <laughs> do me a favor. Let me criticize me for a while, huh? You're sickening. 